So this morning, I would like you to finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. In my adult life, that is probably the biggest myth I have ever busted. Are you with me? Not only can words hurt me, they can destroy me. Anybody else? They can debilitate me. They can turn a, bad, a good day into a bad day. They can give me motivation to keep going, or they can be the nail in the coffin so that I quit. Anybody? Just me. Is that just me in the house this morning? All right. The scripture talks about this. The scripture debunks this saying that we say all the time. It says that the weight and the value of our words are so important. Proverbs says the tongue has the power, finish it if you know it, of life and death. The tongue. Psalms remind us in 141.3, to set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. And Jesus himself addresses this in Matthew 12, 36. Look at the screen while I read this this morning. He says, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. How many of you have a little bit of a shudder when you read that verse? Every careless word we speak, there will be an accounting for in the day of judgment. And I believe that that just doesn't mean every word we speak, but every word we type, every word we post, every word that we post anonymously, God knows us, every single word that we do. And so it's important for us to pay attention to what we're speaking. Our words affect both the natural and the supernatural. And that's why we're going through this series in the month of July called Word of Mouth. If you missed the last two weeks, you can check out the podcast to catch up. We talked about inviting words, then we talked about um, thankful words, and today we're going to talk about encouraging words. All right, say that to the person next to you. This is about encouraging words. I'm going to feel better when I leave here today. So the word encourage actually means to inspire courage. When we encourage each other, we literally inspire the courage inside of each other to rise up. And so we call the excellence out of each other. That's what it means by speaking life or death. We literally can inspire courage into each other. Nothing kills courage faster than criticism. Anybody agree? Some of you can identify with this because you grew up in a home where criticism was your, the native language. Some of you are living with a spouse or a family member who is your biggest critic. And some of you work jobs or professions that literally invite criticism into your life. Some of you in politics out there, this is asking for it. Give me the criticism. Now we can be victims of criticism. And I think we can all remember what it's like to be criticized and then have courage feel like it dies inside of us. But our goal as followers of Jesus is to never be a vessel of criticism. We never want to be the one who is killing the courage inside of another person. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Complaining relates to situations. It relates to circumstances. It's like we complain about the weather. We complain about the traffic. We complain about the circumstance. And we learned last week that a grateful heart is what cures complaining. 
Being grateful, having a heart of gratitude is what cures complaining. Criticism relates to people. Criticism, by definition, is dwelling on the perceived faults of another with no view to their good. I'm going to read that again. Criticism, by definition, is dwelling on the perceived thoughts of another with no view to their good. Dwelling on perceived thoughts. That word perceived tells us that sometimes, often, what we're critical about is not necessarily accurate. Perhaps there's more to the story than we know. Perhaps um, our minds, we're masters at filling in the gaps, aren't we? Like someone does something and we are just totally, we fill in the gaps of our own ideas or our own worldview, our own opinions. <laughs> in fact, it's interesting, like I, I use this example a lot in my mind when I'm driving. When someone is speeding next to me or, or getting on my tail, I'm thinking, you know, get off my back, geez, this is terrible. And then I have to remind myself, maybe his wife is going into labor, right? And we don't know all the stories of what's happening. We write that own story in our mind, and we may be entirely wrong about what we are critical about. And so a critical attitude toward a person or a group of people clogs up our fellowship with Jesus. And God is so serious about how we treat each other that he speaks over and over in the scripture that how we love each other is imperative. It matters. And it doesn't just matter on earth, but it matters in heaven. So when God says, stop criticizing, he is actually reminding us that criticism goes against the nature of who God wants us to be. Okay, fish are made to swim, birds are made to fly, people are made to be in fellowship with God. That's what we are made to do. And so when we criticize, when we sin against other people, we literally hinder our fellowship with God. Now, we see in the scripture in 1 Thessalonians and Hebrews that we are to encourage each other. That's what God tells us to do. And so I want to read Hebrews 3, 13. It says this, encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So God reminds us, he commands us, that we need to encourage each other. And I believe he does that because he knows that we need it. He knows there's a lot of places in scripture that says, listen, you live in a broken world and it's going to be tough. You're going to have trials. He's probably thinking, I don't know why they're so surprised when life gets hard. <laughs> I told them. <laughs> I told them there's going to be trouble, but this is what he says. When encouragement is absent, we feel unloved and useless and hopeless and forgotten, but God knows that his people are in need of grace-filled reminders, and so he solves this problem with us. He solves this problem with us, and he says, listen, I want you to encourage each other every day, every day until the sun returns. I like the cleverness of the writer of Hebrews. Every day that's called today, just every day. It's like all the days ending in Y. You know, I want you to do that. This is what he's saying. Every day that's called today, I want you to encourage because what will happen if we are not encouraged? What does Hebrews 3.13 say? It's not a test, but it kind of is because you're supposed to be listening. We'll be hardened. <laughs> we'll be hardened by sin's deceitfulness if we are not encouraged. When you describe a person, 
you usually begin with the most important thing first. Okay, so if you were going to describe Leonardo da Vinci, you would, might start with, he is a great artist. If you were going to describe Galileo, you would say he was a brilliant scientist. If you were going to describe Pastor Quint, you would say he has trendy glasses, right? Shreds the guitar, has a lot of kids. That's what you would describe Pastor Quint. In the Bible, there's a man named Barnabas, and in Acts, he is nicknamed son of encouragement. His parents named him Joseph, but he was such an encourager that people started calling him by that new name. And the word that they used uh, for encouragement in the scriptures also translated consolation, which is also translated comforter. And the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26 is called this. So you know what that means? That Barnabas had so much encouragement and so much comfort that he earned the reputation that he was like the Holy Spirit. What an honor. What an honor that he was able to communicate comfort and encouragement so much. He wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's perfect in every way. But he was like them. Just like we, we uh, try to be like Jesus, right? He was like that. How about that for a challenge today? I don't know about you, but I want to encourage people so much, they don't even call me by my own name anymore. <laughs> they just say, you're the daughter of encouragement. You're the goodwill ambassador. You're the one that comes and just brings light into the room. So much. Now, biblical encouragement isn't focused on complimenting someone's haircut or telling them how good their homemade salsa tastes. Those are good things. And you should have that kind of encouragement. That's important. But the encouragement that the scripture is talking about in Hebrews 3 is explicitly faith encouragement. Okay, it's faith encouragement. This kind of encouragement is shared with the hopes that it will lift someone's heart toward the Lord. This kind of encouragement helps someone grow closer and deeper to Jesus. And so we see Barnabas, how he has this huge impact on people's faith in Acts. And Paul, what's happening in this scripture is Paul is this man who was persecuting Christians. Actually, his name was Saul when he was doing that, but he had this life change moment and his name got changed. But before he was Paul, he was persecuting Christians. He was speaking out against them. He was catching them. He was stoning them. But one day, he meets the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has this encounter with him on his way to Damascus. And after Paul was filled with God's Holy Spirit, he turns 180 degrees, and he starts preaching boldly that Jesus is the Son of God. And so basically, he, he quits one team and joins the other. And the other team is very concerned that he's a traitor. <laughs> They're very concerned. They don't feel like that they can trust him completely. And so Barnabas sees Paul uh, his love for the Lord, and he sees him preaching, and he sees his, what's happening. And, and when Paul tries to go to Jerusalem, where the most Christians were at the time, the people were afraid of him. They didn't want him around. They rejected him. And I want to pick up in Acts 9 to show you what happens here. It says, but Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. And so because Barnabas encouraged Paul, because Barnabas inspired courage and spoke truth to the believers, they accepted Paul, and Paul spoke even more boldly, and the church grew in number. Do you see what happened there? 
So Barnabas encourages Paul, and Paul speaks boldly to the believers, and the church grows in number. And so I just want to look here for the last few minutes we have together in the text in Acts 9 with some significant things that we can see about Barnabas and encouragement. All right? So look at me and smile. That's encouraging. Good. Thank you. So first, this is significant to note who he encouraged. Who? The first thing is encouragers champion the underdog. Encouragers champion the underdog. Paul was public enemy number one at that time. No one wanted to deal with him, especially a Christ follower. But good old Barney, he shows up. And he says, you know what? I'm the minister of encouragement. And the first person I'm going to go to is the one that's down and out and rejected. And this is the mark of a real encourager. They will champion the underdog. They will jump on the bandwagon when everybody else is jumping off. They'll walk into your house when the whole world has walked out. That's what an encourager does. And the scripture is reminding us that we need to make the effort and take the time to reach out to those around us who seem to be lonely or seem to have been rejected by other people. The second place encouragement happens is encouragers build up the church Encouragers build up fellow believers. Later in Acts, when the church is in Jerusalem, we hear, there's, we hear that there's this new group of believers in Antioch, and you know who they send to them? Barnabas. Because they know if they send Barnabas, he'll exhort them, he'll encourage them. And that's exactly what he did. Barnabas goes up, he shows up on the scene, he's excited about what God is doing, and he says to these new Christians, listen, you're doing a good job, keep it up. Get in the word. You can hear from God yourself. Let's go. let's, Let's understand the things of God. And we need to do everything in our power to encourage other believers in their walk with Jesus. We need to praise others when they labor for Jesus. We need to to see other people's sacrifices for their faith and say, wow, you are doing a good job. That must be difficult, but God's going to honor that. You're paying attention to the right places in your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 spells out that it's our duty to our fellow believers to help them grow in the Lord. So I just want to challenge you. I just want you to ask yourself, when's the last time I told someone, you know what, you are doing a really good job loving Jesus. Like, like you are doing a really good job. I can see it inside of you. Your salsa's good too. But also, <laughs> you know, also, let, let's just get right to the heart. I have watched you change. Last time you would have dealt with this problem in a full-out panic attack and you wouldn't have known what to do. But today, you are standing on the promises of God. Like, let's encourage people that way. Look for the way that God is working and moving in their lives. Maybe it's someone who's just starting their journey and you say to them, man, I can just tell in your prayer that you understand more of the heart of God. We need to encourage each other. Encourage, build up. That's what the scripture says. We build up the church. And from the life of Barnabas, we also can see this. Encouragers focus on the hopeful future, not the past. The hopeful future, not the past. Did you notice how Barnabas introduced Paul to the people? In verse 27, he says this. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So I noted, this is, Barnabas does not say, okay, listen, guys, I know he's a murderer. Um, 
he put some of you in jail, but let's just get past that and, you know, work it out. Or I know all of these things about him. I know he has this reputation. I know, you know, he destroyed the church, but he says he's different. He doesn't say that. He says, look, I'm not going to look at the past. I'm going to look at the future. And the future is that it's different because he met Jesus. And what I believe about Jesus is he can change everything. And so let's not think about what he did in the past. Let's look at the future. And the future is bright because Jesus is the way maker and he's the chain breaker and he's the king of kings. And he is the one that can change us for all and all of eternity, right? And so he says, listen, I am not going to look at what Paul had done. I'm going to look at what Paul could do. And encouragers see potential where other people see problems. All right, lastly, we see that encouragement has a ripple effect. Encouragement has a ripple effect. I want to look at verse 31. Uh, I read it before, but it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, Galilee, excuse me, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. Now, Barnabas encouraged Paul, and he was key to many people coming to understand the gospel. He didn't know ahead of time how important his words were going to be, but Barnabas' encouragement opened doors and paved roads for the kingdom to come. I once read a story about a boy uh, who grew up about 100 years ago. And when he was a child, his name was Walter, and he loved to draw, and his parents didn't really praise him for this. They felt like it was a waste of time. But he had an aunt who would secretly slip him drawing pads and pencils and say, just keep doing what you love. You're really good at it. And then he had a neighbor, and the neighbor, uh, they called him Doc Sherwood, who would encourage his talent. And the neighbor and his wife, they would, they would pay him a little bit to come and just draw pictures of his horse. And they would just encourage him, keep doing what you love. There's something inside of you. Your, your drawings are wonderful. And when Walter grew up, we know him as Walt Disney. He's won 26 Academy Awards for his Disney cartoons and movie productions. He created the happiest place on earth, except when you're a parent paying the bill, but otherwise, <laughs> happiest, happiest place on earth. He has literally changed the culture in which we live. And he credits his neighbor who simply encouraged him. I see this in you. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Encouragement has a ripple effect. I want to invite my friend Regina up here this morning. Regina, would you come? She told me a story just yesterday at the cookout that was all about the way that she was able to encourage someone and then watched it ripple into the situation. And Ken, Regina, and Ken. I, oh, you're just walking her up. All right. You're both welcome. <laughs> Regina, would you just share with us? Thank you. Praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> I'm Regina, and I just absolutely love uh, my pastors mm -hmm. and this church and what's happening in our lives. And um, so our series, every time we leave church on Sunday, Ken and I talk about the sermons, and we pray that it will be manifested in our lives. So we don't overthink it. We just ask God to put it in us. Okay. And... Uh, this week, I was blessed with a text message from our real estate agent, and we've been going through this journey now for several months, and 
as we talk to her, we talk about God all the time. And not really on purpose to like try to convert her. It's a part of our journey. So the negotiating and going back and forth, we're like it's in God's hands. Mm -hmm. We're praying about it. We're leaving it there. If this is our house, you know, it's whatever God says. And every time we talk to her, we talk about God. And then we started talking about prayer a lot. And just this week, she sent me a text. She's like, hey, Regina, um, I was talking to a client of mine, and I was telling her how you and Ken inspired me to pray again. She's like, it's been years since I prayed, and just being around you all, and you all are always talking about God and prayer, she said, I started to pray again. Hmm. Well, this young lady she was talking to said, I don't even remember the words to pray. Hmm. So our real estate agent says, well, just talk to God. And then she said the next morning, the young lady called her, and she's like, guess what? I prayed today. And I immediately text Pastor Nicole. I was like, oh, my God, you have to hear what happened. Because we weren't overthinking it. We weren't rehearsing it. Mm -hmm. We were just doing it, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to overthink it. Just be it, right? Mm -hmm. This is our life. This is our journey. And she just got to see us be who we are. Mm -hmm. But anybody that knows me know I cry. The job of the hat. So, of course, I cried. And I'll tell you why I cried, Pastor Nicole, because I said I'm grateful to God, and I'll try not to cry when I say this part. My life added value to her life, and then she added value to someone's else, someone mm -hmm. else's life, mm -hmm. all to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And I said, me, the lady in 2001 who did not see her worth, who, do not, who did not understand who she was, who tried to take her life. God kept me here alive for a reason, mm -hmm. and now I'm sharing Jesus, mm -hmm. and someone that I share Jesus with is sharing Jesus, mm -hmm. and then they're going to share Jesus with somebody else. <laughs> So word of mouth, inviting words, encouraging words. I was not purposely targeting her. I was just sharing Jesus and what he is to me. And now he's something to somebody else, and he's going to be something to somebody else. So give God glory. Share Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Regina. Thank you. Love you. Love it. Love it. So good. That lady just thought she was going to sell a house. Little did she know. God had her in mind and used Regina and Ken and the way they lived their faith out loud. We have another special guest here today um, that I want to come. He also has a story about how encouragement really changed the direction, the course of his life. So Diego Fuller, would you come? Would you welcome him as he comes this morning? Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Yeah, it is an honor just to be here. I flew in from Dallas, Texas. Anybody familiar with Dallas? Any Cowboy fans in here? Woo, praise the Lord. Me and you, we're best friends, girl. I flew in from Dallas, Texas last night, guys, uh, to be here. Um, be, I'm going to be with Royal Family Kids Camp tomorrow, so Royal Family, I love you guys. Um, what, what pastors... What Pastor is speaking about, guys, word of mouth, is, is so vivid. It's so amazing. Um, one thing that changed my life, when I went in, I, went, I was a young man. I grew up without my mom. I grew up without my dad. I was in the foster care system. And nobody, nobody wanted to take a chance on me at all. Uh, I was just really, I was really bad. I was, I, was, um, I was abused. I was molested. I was just really acting out, and I always wanted attention. Nobody knew how to get me help. Um, and so uh, I, went into the foster, I went into the foster care system. And uh, I was living with my grandmother, but bit, just going, just being molested by my sister, being beat, being abused, like nobody could really like 
getting me help. And I was just really acting out at school. I was always fighting, doing a lot of different things. And my grandmother one day, she just told me, she, she said, Diego, I'm sorry, son. Um, we just can't handle you. And she packed out my bags and she put them in the van and she drove down to the CPS office and she dropped me off and she said, hey, we can't handle Diego. And, and she drove off and it, it broke my heart because that was the person that I thought that really loved me. Mom wasn't there, dad wasn't there, sister molested me, uncles beating me. It was just so much going on. And I said, I know my grandma loved me. And so when my grandma left, guys, like, it, it just broke me. And I didn't know what to do. And here I am at the age of 13. Like, I just, like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. So I'm standing here with a guy I don't know. And I went to so many different homes. And when you go to do, like, in foster care, when you do a home visit, they give you, like, the rap sheet of that person, like, what that person been through, what that person is, uh, what type of trauma that person have. And, but everybody seen what I was going through, and nobody wanted to take a chance on me. I went to six different homes, and I stayed for one or two days. And they was like, yeah, we don't want him. And I bounced around from shelter to shelter to shelter to shelter. No family in Texas, no family wanted me at all. And so I was just living in the shelter for a while. It was just me and a, a lot of other boys. Then this guy by the name of Bishop Aaron Blake, he had, got my biological brother and um, he brought me into his house. And he was like, man, I'll take Diego in. And I remember, guys, when I went into his house, I was walking up the steps and he stopped me at the door and he told me, he said, listen, Diego, I know I'm not your biological dad. He said, but son, he said, I'm going to love you like, like, like I'm your biological dad and you're my biological son. But when he said that, guys, it broke me. And I didn't believe it because everybody that told me they loved me, it hurt me and it broke me and it destroyed me. So anybody that ever said, Diego, I love you, I felt like that was the enemy towards me. So when he told me that, Diego, I love you, I'm going to treat you like you're my own son, I didn't want to believe it. So I was just like, yeah, all right. And then he went on to tell me, I want you to know, Diego, that you are engrafted into my family. And everything that belongs to me, son, I want you to know that it belongs to you. And it's the same way with the kingdom of God. When you adopted into the kingdom of God, everything that belongs to Jesus, it belongs to you too. And he said, that's how I am. But um, just to paraphrase, like when he told me that, I thought he was out to get me. When he told me that I love you, I thought he was out to get me. So we done a few things to him. It was me and five other foster boys. We ran away. We talked back. We snuck people in. We snuck out of the house. We stole money. We borrowed all the family vehicles. We even accidentally burned this man's house down. Nobody wanted me, but I burnt this house down. But here's what happened, guys. Even though the house burned down, we did everything we could to break him. He was 10 toes down, and he stood firm on what he said. And he told us, and he, he said, guys, I don't, care what you, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. I'm going to love you past everything you've been through. You guys are not going nowhere. He said, you guys are here. He didn't see us for where we was, but he seen us for where we was going to be. And it changed my life forever. And that being said, that being said, guys, like because of that man, it, I'm blessed to travel all around the country and share my testimony, share music. We have movie, movie producers right now that's looking at my book to write a movie on my life. I've been on the Billboard charts doing music with Lecrae, Triple E, I'm sure some of you guys know them. But the way I came in, he just said, Diego, I'm going to love you, and you are engrafted, and God love you. And it changed my life to now I'm reaching over hundreds of thousands of young men and women and telling them about Jesus Christ. You can't tell me God ain't good. That's the ripple effect.
today uh, we are sending, if you would just stay, you can help us pray, off a team of volunteers um, who are going to Royal Family Kids Camp. And if you've never heard of it, it is a camp. Diego was part of it as a as a foster child, you were part of it, or yeah, well, kind of after the fact? Well, six years ago, I started writing songs for Royal Family Kids, awesome. and so they sent songs out to everybody, all awesome. the kids that's in Royal so Family. So that's his connection, but we as a church have been doing this um, for, for several years, lots of years, and we what we do is we take ki- foster kids from all across Erie County, and we take them to a, a safe camp, a place, um, and speak life into them. <laughs> That's what these counselors and, and, and this staff do. They use the tongue to speak life and not death, and they speak encouragement, and they champion the underdog, and they say, listen, we, we love you. We love you no matter what. We love you. We, we're going to love you this week. We're going to give you positive memories. And in fact, if you came today, you received a bulletin insert that has all the names listed on there. We want you to just pray, commit these, uh, these people to prayer this week. Um, and so we just want to take a minute in our service before Diego shares um, a song with us to pray for you. So if you're here um, to, to be part of Royal Family this week, would you stand? I think they all have really awesome green t-shirts on, so stand up. And I'm going to ask Pastor Daniel to come up. Yeah, thank these guys for serving. And um, here's what I'd like you to do. If you're near somebody, would you stand? Just put a, a hand on their shoulder um, as, they're, as you're near them. Would you just stand? extend a hand if you're a few a few rows away, and Pastor Daniel's going to just pray for you all um, as you go to speak encouragement into life into these campers. God, we just thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you, God, that you are sending us, that as the Bible says, that we, you ask, who will I send? And we're here standing right now saying, God, send, send me, send us. And so, God, I pray that right now as we go into this week that the devil has no foothold and no ground greater than you, God, and that you are stronger. And so whatever is coming into this camp, God, that we say right now, we will just stand, like as Diego talked, with our ten toes down, just stand firm, God, and we will love these kids like you love them. That, God, we would love them with a heart that unconditional. Whatever they do, God, that we would say we're going to love them through it. We're going to love them past it. So, God, I pray right now that as this group and as this team goes into that camp, God, that we would stand in the gap for them. That this week might be the best week of their whole year. And as we sacrifice, God, that we have some discomfort this week, God, that we would prevail. And that your presence, God, this one week would just take over and relieve some of the discomfort that maybe they have the entire rest of the year. So right now, God, we just believe that you are going to move and be in moving in a mighty way in this camp and this this week. So we pray protection over our families. We pray protection over these uh, volunteers. We pray protection over the children, God. We pray right now that hearts would be softened, that you would just begin to move, God. Even as kids prepare to go tomorrow, I pray right now, God, that you would just prepare them and that you would give us opportunities, teachable moments, God, that we would be able to say, this is the God. You might have never experienced love before like this, but he loves you in a greater and more magnificent way than you've ever experienced. And so, God, I pray right now that today you would empower us, that you would give us the words to say, that we would have the words to say from the Holy Spirit, that we would encourage and that we would love. And I pray as a church family, God, and churches in this community that are all coming together, that we would lift up this camp this week and that we would pray protection over it. And God, that we would see movement in your kingdom come out of this week. So we just give all the glory to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Daniel. Thank you.